my name is Nick Moseri, and I am a uh, film producer and entrepreneur. And Nick, uh, can you tell us a little bit how you got into the film business and how your career started? Sure. So I uh, grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I didn't know anyone in the movie business. Um, went to uh, my undergraduate at Boston University, got a film degree, sort of ostensibly in the communications program. They didn't tell you how the business worked. And so I moved out to LA with no idea of how this business worked entirely. Went and bought a couple suits at the men's warehouse, was faxing resumes, and then ended up getting a job for a literary agent. It was the thing of Hollywood nightmares. He wanted me to buy drugs and forge signatures and all kinds of things that uh, I didn't know how to do. And so I hightailed it and left town and started over back up in Seattle. And so I started my career in marketing and advertising and was managing punk rock bands and putting out records and all the while still trying to write like a screenplay a year and sort of trying to find a way back into the business and then decided to use grad school as a, a sort of pathway to back into the industry. So 28 I applied and got into the UCLA MFA producers program, and then we had to figure out how to pay for that. And so we sold our little tiny starter home in Seattle in July of 2008, right before the market crashed. And so we were very fortunate and had the money to move down to LA and, and yeah, I did grad school for two years, interned everywhere I could, and then started from there. And uh, how did your first film come about? Well, so my first film wasn't until about four years after I finished grad school, um, but right when I start. So coming out of grad school, I was laser focused on wanting to write and produce television. Uh, features weren't really even on my mind. Um, this was a time when Mad Men was pretty new on the air and Breaking Bad and Dexter. And there were all these kind of anti-heroes on TV. And I love that stuff. And so I had really focused all of my internships and focus on that path. And so I came out of the program with a manager. I was, I had a writer's assistant job on a TV series called Brothers and Sisters, starring Sally Field. And I was developing a, a pitch with some producers from Mad Men. So like I was set to like take the, you know, take that ladder all the way up with the, the TV path. And so I did the writer's assistant job and we pitched the series and all that kind of stuff. And then a year later, our show got canceled really late. Like they had told us we were coming back. We had restarted the writer's room and they let us all go. And so the writers scrambled to find jobs. None of us assistants could find jobs. And then, you know, I was holding on to this pitch that I was developing that didn't sell. And so I was out of work for six months with a wife and three kids as a sole breadwinner going, what have I done? I'm now almost two years out of grad school. This is not what we signed up for. This was not it. And so I had to dust off my sort of marketing advertising resume, look for jobs, found a job, had a digital agency that did campaigns for, you know, Universal and Fox and Sony and things that were industry adjacent, but not all the way in. And, and it was about an hour, hour and a half commute at times. And I remember every day driving to that job going, I'm grateful for this job. I do not want this job. And so then it was like figuring out like, how do I where do I go from here? What do I do? And so a buddy of mine was a writer on a TV series. He had a feature film script that he said he would let me kind of run with as a producer, see if we could get it set up somewhere. And so it began this dual track of doing my nine to five and being committed to that. And then on lunch breaks and coffee breaks and after hours, hustling the script and just trying to get my footing back. And so I found a production company that was interested. They wanted me to find a director went on this search, found this really cool commercial director, reached out to him, sent him the script. He was interested. We met, had lunch, and then it began this like 
a year of lunches with him of talking about this project, talking about his business. He ran a really successful commercial production company, was interested in the film business. Uh, and then it turned out that we were working in the same building, like we didn't even know it. And then we, yeah, so about a year later, you know, I came to him with the proposal of like, hey, you want to get in the film business? Hire me as a development exec. Not going to cost you a lot. We'll see how it does. And we'll go from there. And so he gave me my first job as a, a development exec. And at that time, one of my classmates from grad school was uh, developing a film with one of the directors that we went to grad school with named Lily Amarpour. And so he asked if we want to get involved. And so we came on board um, for a little bit of financing and some help with marketing and post-production. And so in January of 2013, so about three years after grad school, uh, started production on a film called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which then we submitted and got into the Sundance Film Festival. So that was in January of 2014. And then the movie came out theatrically in uh, spring of, of that year. And so it was this you know kind of four-year road to the first film and then you know and then uh, just a lot of different directions and and building from there and does uh you know obviously getting into sundance help uh move your career up you know it yes and no i mean it it legitimizes you so when you can email people and say oh i'm a producer at a movie at sundance that suddenly you know you've got a little more credibility and a track record but in terms of like the next job like i did you know not in my case and so um for the next two years before I got my next film made was still helping the company I was working for with commercials and productions. And Ben, who was the director that I'd met with, and he was a co-founder of this company. He had been directing and I started producing with him this series of viral car videos called Jim Kana. So it's this guy, Ken Block drifting around LA and Dubai and San Francisco and all these kind of crazy places. And uh, these videos did hundreds of millions of YouTube views. And so because of that, in 2015, we were able to launch two companies, uh, automotive YouTube channel called Donut Media, uh, which we grew and and eventually sold in 2021. Uh, and then Gen Pop, which was like a commercial production film production company. And so we started that in 2015. And then in 2016, got my next movie made, which was called Deidre and Lenny Rob a Train, which was one of uh, Netflix's first quote unquote, independent films. Like people forget that there was a time before Netflix made movies and we were one of the first 12 and that film went to Sundance. So then being, you know, a two-time Sundance person seems like it would help, but also then like it was just as hard to get the next movies made. And so a friend of mine had this idea for a, a film, what do we call it? A festival film finishing funds. So it was quite the alliteration, but basically, you know, these films that get into Sundance or South by, they usually get their, invitation right around thanksgiving and then they've got to scramble to finish their movies often so it's like they need money for the condos in park city or they need music to you know for the score or whatever and so we came in raised a little bit of money and got involved with about a half dozen films and so it was a way to get more credits and and to help films get made but then my next full film as a producer wasn't then until 2022 when we made a film for amazon called sitting in bars with cake that just came out this last September. And what made you kind of get through the days of like, uh, you know, losing your job and kind of keep you in the staying in the film business and not just kind of going into marketing. Yeah. And I've lost it a couple of times. So I lost it again in 2020. We, uh, we amicably shut down gen pop. Just, you know, there was just no commercial business going at that time. Thankfully the donut media side continued to grow and stayed remote, but we weren't drawing a salary from that, that we had employees and, and we're just making sure that everyone was taken care of there. And so summer of 2020, I was out of job again, going 
Uh, and again, like I was dusting off the resume, film resume, marketing resume, all the things. And I got a call out of the blue from an old boss of mine up in Seattle who'd been a mentor to me. And he'd been working for Bill Gates for about a decade as essentially his creative director. And so he called and said, hey, Bill wants to do a podcast. Do you want to produce it? I was like, well, sure, but I have not produced a podcast, so I wouldn't be the first call if I were you. And he's like, well, we trust you. You'll figure it out. And so I built this great team of, of podcast producers and we did six episodes of Bill Gates and Rashida Jones ask big questions. And so then that really kept my family afloat through the end of 2020. And then in 2021, again, you know, there really weren't a lot of films getting made and nothing that I was developing had traction. And so coming off this, you know, pretty decent podcast credit, I reached out to some people I knew over at Nike where my brother works and said, Hey, would you guys be interested in doing podcasts? And they said, uh, nope, not really, but we are looking for someone who knows how to do short form content for one of our fitness apps. I was like, all right, well, I've got a weird background or resume. I'll jump in. And so I essentially became like the showrunner for one of their fitness apps for almost a year and helped them kind of launch in new directions. And um, I think like I've never been afraid to do what I have to, to support my family, keep things afloat. And even if there are detours along the way, so like doing a year of working for Nike as a consultant was great. I still had time to develop projects that then got going the next year. And so, you know, as a producer, I've just tried to be as nimble and as curious as possible. And then also just like, We've intentionally kept our overhead as a family really low the whole time, just so that we're not living beyond our means and, you know, that we can keep money in the bank account for rainy days. I mean, this last year with the strikes, like I haven't drawn a paycheck in six months, which is a nightmare. But at the same time, like we've prepared for that storm, you know, and not everyone can and we get that. So like there's a there's privilege that comes with that. But like you just have to be ready for anything. And then uh, was there any like a. Uh big hurdles you had to get through on a, a movie set oh man yeah every every time um i mean when we were filming deidre lady in the summer of i guess that was the summer of 2016 in utah i mean we had you know there's lightning and weather and then you know a stomach bug goes through the crew and like then the cast and so there's that kind of stuff but then most recently on this film sitting in bars with cake we were shooting in the fall of 2022 in los angeles and we had one location that was a, a big location that was at a hotel and, and sort of the scene was like a poolside after drinks party at night. Right. And so it's Los Angeles in the fall. Like we've got great weather here and the location kept falling in and out of availability. So like it was going to be early in the schedule that it got pushed and pushed and pushed. And so finally it was our last week of production or maybe second to last week, but it was our last moment to film this. And it was a Monday and we wake up to insane rainstorm in Los Angeles, just this freak rainstorm. And we're supposed to be shooting an outdoor pool party scene at a hotel. That's a very expensive location. And so we, we film inside as much as we can in the morning. We break for lunch in the afternoon and come back and are just like, we just got to go for it. And, you know, sure enough, the, the clouds parted and, and the rain stopped and we filmed this scene, but you know, it's constantly just juggling. Like, what are my contingencies? What else? can we do? I mean, you know, when you have people get sick or, or God forbid, get hurt on set, like you just, you just have to dodge and move and shuffle and shake and <laughs> make the best of it. And, uh, I don't know if you're dealing with the distribution side of it, but how are you on movies you're doing? How are you dealing with distribution? Cause I know a lot of people are, you know, changing, doing independent distribution, not going through studios. How do you feel about that process? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been fortunate in that I've, I've, 
the last couple of movies that I was a capital P producer on were um, financed by you know Netflix the first time and Amazon the second time. But I'm in the middle of a movie right now that I've been developing for two years. I leave in a week to go to Arkansas for 10 weeks. Uh, so winter in Arkansas is going to be fascinating to film this movie that it's been like truly the most independent film. I mean, we went and sold off territories to different distributors and raised you know, money through equity and through all kinds of things. And um, on the distribution front, we were very fortunate that we were able to find domestic distribution coming out of the Cannes Film Festival. And so we've got a great partner called Briarcliff. They're on board to release the film, hopefully theatrically later this year. And then we've got to sell the territories around the rest of the world, you know. And so distribution is very tricky. I think the hardest thing is getting people to see your movie because getting a movie distributed is not the hardest thing. Like you can get a movie onto, you know, iTunes or, you know, one of the rental sites or stores or whatever. But like getting people to see it and cut through the noise and clutter is so hard. And so, you know, then you've got to really think about who's your cast? What is people's awareness of them? Do they use social media? Do they not use social media? And, and yeah, it's, it's just what doing whatever you can to make as much noise so that people will come check it out. And then hopefully word of mouth builds. And uh, I mean, obviously your first films were through Netflix and Amazon, but having a marketing background, do you see the landscape changing kind of how like the music industry changed? Meaning like I see a lot of people running ads for movies and, and getting very good return on investments from a lot of these platforms from Tubi, different stuff like that. How do you kind of see that with having a marketing background? For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I think it's all about finding that audience and you don't have to spend a lot of money to utilize social media and other platforms to find a targeted audience. And then it's sort of reverse engineering and go, okay, what is my movie about and who is it for? You know, we all want to believe that our movies are for everyone. You know, it's a movie like Barbie or Oppenheimer that everyone can see and enjoy and, you know, whatever. But especially with these more specialty films and independent films, I think you've got to know from the beginning who who is that audience? What are they interested in? Where can we find them? And just being really smart in the way you use your dollars. Like you're probably not buying bus ads or putting up billboards. It's, you know, maybe the movie's got a sports angle. So, you know, what niche of the internet or, or YouTube channel or, or TikTok or whatever are people excited about this that you can partner with? And uh, my last question is just, uh, what advice would you give to like a new filmmaker starting out? Uh, you know, in terms of filmmakers starting out, I would say, don't wait to create like you've got to just keep making stuff. And the more that you can, you know, take away the reasons for people to say no, whether that's money or talent or gear or whatever, like you just got to make things. And so I think it's, it's giving yourself the challenge of, you know, what short film or even feature film could I make in my apartment or at a friend's house that we have, or what, you know, what's the location we can use. And so I think it's just being scrappy and, and getting rid of the excuses to, that stop you from making things right. It's like finish the script, make the short film. We all have iPhones. Like it is not like we all have the tools we need. We just need the discipline to do it. And so I think there's opportunities out there. I think we're at a time when we're really celebrating uh, really unique stories and point of views and backgrounds. And so I think the more specific you are as a storyteller and the more that you draw on things that are either personal to you or things that you are just insanely curious or excited about or I want to share about like I think that's the name of the game.